Hello and welcome. I am your host, the best podcast host in the universe, the known universe, Steve Cully. And with me today, a very special guest, Mr. Frank Cristiano, owner of Tony's Pizzeria, currently Fat Cats Comedy Club, and soon to be opening, we hope, is uh, Smoking Gun Saloon. Is that is that accurate? That's correct. That's correct. And this has been a long time coming to have you on the podcast. And you know, this is what you do. And you know, you have a little bit of personality. So we, uh, thanks. We, yeah, we got a, lot got a little to, bit of personality. We got thanks. a little bit of personality. So we got a we got a lot to get to. Um, first of all. Let's uh, let's talk about everything. How's how is business going currently at Tony's? What do we got going on at Tony's Pizzeria, and uh, how how was Fat Cat's Comedy Club? This yeah, season? it hasn't been bad to be honest with you. I mean, the, the the store itself does what it does. I mean, it's been there forty three years, almost coming up on forty four, and uh, you know we've serviced the New Hartford area for God that long a time, if not longer, uh, with food and drink. Yeah, and it's been it's it's you know we have a steady clientele that uh, spans generations. Sometimes you know they they start when they're young. We're like the crack dealers of food. Once you yes. get hooked on the pizza, you got to have that kind of pizza for the rest of your life. Uh, and then uh, you know the comedy club was good. It had its ups and downs. This yeah. is a difficult area. Comedy yeah. in general is on a downswing on the bell curve right now. Yeah. Um, besides the you know Netflix specials and large. Uh, drawing comedians uh, you know there's maybe a handful yeah, that you could name that people want to see and then after that it's a who's who of who doesn't know anyone and who wants to come out and actually spend the night out to watch live comedy so had some great weeks had some so-so weeks have to figure it out for the fall and the winter now to see what we want to do so i'm um, trying to remember correctly were you actually born in New Hartford, born in Utica? Yep, I was born in St. Luke's. You were born in St. Luke's, okay. And you grew up here, and you got into football. Was football your first sport? No, no. Uh, my first sport was soccer. You were soccer. I, I lived at, well, I lived in Europe for almost four years. Right. So you had right. no choice. Soccer, right. soccer rules there. But I was young. And then when right. I came back here to the States, I really didn't play any sports. I just worked. And then uh, my junior year... Some of my friends who played football in high school just said, "Hey, why don't you come out and try football?" And I did. Yeah. Uh, you know, basically everyone makes the team in one way or another, uh, but I didn't know step one right. of, of of the sport, of, of the, the the athletic ability needed, of of the technique needed. I knew none of that. So from the time you were born until your junior year of high school, what, what other places did you live? How many times did you move? Uh, went from we were in North Utica when I was uh, a small child. Yeah. Then to Whitesboro for my early elementary. Then overseas to Europe. Then back to uh, New Hartford. I came came into New Hartford. What was the purpose of the Europe move? My father's from Italy, so we wanted to move back you and be with his family. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we were there about almost four years. Then we moved back into the area here. Then yeah. uh, my sophomore to beginning of junior year, we moved to Albuquerque, New Mexico for Mexico, weather. Right. Then we came back. Uh, and then from here we stayed here, but I don't, went, away for, went away to college and things like that. But Correct. Yeah, back in the area. So but you always, I mean, once you started, you loved football. And you didn't play or contribute as much as you would have liked in high school. No. But you still had ambition and you wanted to play. You end up at Arizona. 
Arizona State. Arizona State. Arizona State. Was, you know, those the family move. My my parents wanted to go for right. again. We suffer from allergies, right? So that's why the Albuquerque move when I was in high school, and that's why figuring going back to Arizona for the climate. So I applied to Arizona State when I got out of high school. I was accepted. I stayed though, and I worked a full year and a half before going going to school. So I reapplied and got reaccepted again, which wasn't right. a problem. And. Uh, because because sports weren't really important to your dad, like he didn't. No, push no, play. he never. No, he doesn't. He didn't. Doesn't watch. He doesn't play. He doesn't yeah. do anything. So he just works. He right. loves work. So, but the but the story of how you ended up on the Arizona State football team is amazing. Well, I didn't. I didn't end up on the team. I was a walk on, and I sat in the stands for games. So it's not a. It's just a. I just. But you flew said down there. the story. Yeah, yeah. You said there were like a, a eighty kids. Oh, the, well, that, that tried out and they asked you for film. It was. It wasn't that many. It was maybe 17, 18 yeah. kids at that meeting. But before the meeting, I would just, uh, so we landed in Arizona, at, in, in Tempe. And we got to the stadium, and it was picture day. Right. So that's where, you know, the team picture happens before the first regular season game. I was walking around the field, and I kept asking, who's the walk-on coach? Who's the walk-on coach? Who's the walk-on coach? And finally directed me to this guy, and this guy said, okay, uh, meet me at the athletic center. Activity center, uh, which is where the basketball court is, and where all the offices are for the yeah, coaches. Yeah, like the field house. Yeah, he just says, "Meet me at my office in room so and so at uh, 4 p.m. on Monday, and bring your films." And I had no films. What am, <laughs> what am I going to bring? I didn't, I didn't start a game. I didn't. I had nothing at the time, you know. So I panicked. I didn't know what to do right off the bat. So I ended up calling my high school coach. Which was Don, Donald Eadick. In our, in our area, Don Eadick, yeah, he's a legend. And so I played for Don my junior and senior year, and I sat at the bench. I got in on, on mop-up time. You know, I was on all the extra point field goal teams, all the stuff where they put the yeah. kids at, you know, hey, right, give, them, like, give them a touch. Yeah, well, of course. You know, yeah. Was, yeah, not a, that's not the issue. But I called him, and I said, you know, hey, coach, I'm in my dorm room right now, Arizona State. <laughs> I just get a situated and all that, and I talked to the walk-on coach, and there's a meeting Monday, but he says to bring my film. And I had no film to bring him, Coach. What am I going to bring him? Me yeah. drinking water on the bench. You know, I have nothing to give him. And so uh, he said, well, well, all right, well, I go, I have the guy's number. Could you give him a call? <laughs> he says, okay, I could, I could do that for you. And, all that. and they just start asking me random questions like, how much do you bench? What do you squat? So, you know, I would say, like, I bench yeah. uh, 350. And he's sure. like, okay, 405. Uh, what do you squat? Uh, you know, 400. Okay, 580. What he's just making up numbers. And he says, all right, I'll give him a call. Not a problem. So the weekend passes. Uh, here comes Monday. I go to my first classes, and then four o'clock comes, and I'm standing in line at the activity center at this room where all the walk-ons are meeting. And one by one, they're all entering and giving the coach right. their tapes, you know, their films, so the coach could could look them over. And and this is VHS back then, so yeah. you get the old VHS tapes, the old school. And so I'm just stepping backwards all the time, letting the other guys go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. And finally, I'm the last guy. I get in line. I go, Coach, uh, no, I apologize. I don't have. And he goes, Don't worry about it. You're the kid from uh, New York. He goes, yeah. He goes, Your coach called me. You're upset. Go into the meeting. So it was. Now I'm into the meeting. Yeah, now I'm in. There. Now I'm in. Yeah, now it's just a matter of trying out and all that. But I mean, to get my foot in the door. Uh, it just shows it's not about what you know, it's about who you know. Right. And and he, he helped me out. And, and he, inside, he must be laughing at the time because here I am not starting one high school game and I want to step foot on a Division One school in the Pac-10 conference. You know, the, the yeah. team just team just went to the Rose Bowl and won the Rose Bowl in 86 and beat Michigan, you know, the, the year before. So, uh, yeah, so you end up, you go through some tryouts. They decide who to, who to keep, who to cut. I mean, in the meeting itself, they cut nine guys right in the meeting. 
Right. Because they said, gentlemen, how many are kickers? Everybody put their hand up. Nine guys. Yeah. Gentlemen, we're all sent a kicker. We'll see you next year. That's it. Those guys were out. So now it was like seven or eight of us. Me. And uh, they put you through workouts and all that. And then so now you, you're part of the practice squad. You go out there and get the crap kicked out of you yeah, wherever they put you. Guy. Right. Scout team guy. And then, and then you go in the state. You go to the will call gate and they have your name on a on a, uh, a list there. And you just go into the stands and watch the game from, from the stands, you know. So it was a, a, a pretty neat experience. Uh, but it didn't last long for me because then I came back. But I think that shows what you have is driven in your entire life is you've always had kind of this ambition. Like you're not afraid to do anything. So despite the fact that you weren't a star at New Hartford, you go to Arizona State, you're not afraid. You say, I want to be part of this team. You jump on, you get Don Edick to make a phone call, and he gets it done. No fear. Okay. Two years. Now you really want to play, and that's when you make your move and you transfer to Cortland, correct? Right. I, trans- I, I came back. I mean, I don't know if it's uh, I feel fear of anything or just stupidity. I didn't really understand the levels of football. I didn't understand the complexity of right. divisions and of, of athletes. And I, you got to realize, in the one year that I was there, I mean, I... I was next to Randall McDaniel, who's a Hall of Famer. You said you saw him dunk. He, 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 yeah. he dunked a basketball. The guy's maybe six one, six one and a half. He dunked a basketball on full pads, just yeah. standing, not no 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 steps. It's just amazing. They're great athletes. I mean, Trace Armstrong played there. He was in the NFL for eight or nine years. Eric Cox was in the NFL. Yeah. I mean, there's there's just player after player from that '87 Arizona State team. Uh, that were just tremendous athletes, you know. So for me, showing up there, eh, it could be stupidity more than anything else. But I just I, you weren't you can't, afraid. Yeah. Oh, you got, what, what can you be if you, you, you no, no no risk taken, no yeah. rewards get. Yeah, right. you know what I mean. So that's the whole thing. You try it, and, and I came back, and I was going to go to Syracuse. I was just going right. to transfer, and, and 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 that way, you know, me to sit out a year, and I'll try to walk on again. And who knows? I don't know anybody there either. And uh, just one of my friends here who was running uh, one of the gyms locally said, "Hey, why don't you take a look at Cortland?" I went to Cortland, and it's a pretty neat school. I drove down there. It's a Division three school, maybe 6,500 students at the time, right. 7,000 students at the time. But one of the better Division three programs. Right. As of, uh, probably from the, the moment I got there in 88 yeah. all the way on to now, uh, yeah. That's the, awesome, the, those highlights. The tremendous, the, the, the progress that Cortland has made athletically in the last 30 years. And it's an athletic, it's an athlete school. I mean, Realistically, it's a jock school. Your, yeah. your your degrees coming out of there are a phys ed teacher, you know, uh, a police officer, or you know, <laughs> those, those are those are those are crazy, you know, positions that Cortland keeps pumping out. But I ended up going to Cortland. I, I went. I did the same process all over again. I went to the coaching office. I filled out some information. He said, "Well, right, we got to get you to the walk on uh, meeting, and then we'll get you try to get you to walk on." And I did the whole thing all over again in 1988. But I'm trying to think, you were with some famous guys. Was it Doug Marone was there? Paul Alexander was there? Paul Alexander had, had left. He was graduated just okay. a couple years ago. He was, in, he was in the same fraternity that I was in. That's okay. Uh, he was an academic All-American, actually. The guy's really smart. Right. Um, and Marone. And, then, and Doug Marone was my position coach my last year You're at Portland in 91. Yeah, in 91. So, there's, I mean, there's people that, I mean, Arkel Trulick. Uh, was right after me at a Cortland, and he ended up playing seven or eight years in the NFL with the Packers and Kansas City Chiefs. And you played, I mean, you were very versatile. You played on the offensive line. You played You played some tackle, and then you ended up getting moved and played some center as well. I, I went in to learn the backup center because we didn't have one. And you know, and I played guard in a couple games. I yeah. played guard in an ECAC bowl game against Plymouth State. So just wherever, smarts wasn't my problem. 
Strength wasn't no. my problem. Probably I would say direct straight foot speed is always what put me behind someone. Yeah. If I, if I, yeah. Listen, if I ran under a five flat or a five flat, I'd be, yeah. I, you know, I'd be the Kodak All American team. You know, it's not my, it's just not my gig. It was know? the same with me. It was athleticism. We didn't right. have the natural athleticism. Right. That some of the other guys did, but Absolutely. you made up for it in other ways. Yeah, sure. You learn how to cheat. You, you build in the weight room. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You, you work hard to the weight room. You learn, learn how to play the position. You learn how to hold. You learn how to do. You learn all the all the things that they tell you not to do. You do to have a fair advantage against guys that are actually probably much. better than you is is that when you really develop your love for football because I mean right from there afterwards you ended up coaching shortly so I mean from your experience at Cortland was that what made you want to get into coaching probably I, I knew I knew in high school when I didn't play I, yeah. I that was something that I, football was something that I really stuck to loved it because I, mean, I was drawing plays up on a chalkboard before classrooms yeah. so probably in that high school area is where I start to you know start to really find my passion for football or at least to initially watch it understand it learn it and then after that yeah once once you're in and you're playing I mean you're playing with guys from you know all over the region the state and outside of the state and uh, you all bond over the same thing which right. is the sport right and from there is where you learn everything else there you're going to learn you're going to mingle and talk and hang out and make I mean my best friends are all guys I played ball with in college yep and you're going to learn the sport you're going to learn the life you're going to, you're going to learn everything and then once you're done, then you're up against the wall of what do I do? Correct. And you had just a straight business degree, correct? No, right. I, I had a phys ed. Phys ed, uh, phys ed. I, was a, I was a phys ed major oh, okay. and a history minor. I was going to be a dual major in history, and I just left one course unattended. And for phys ed, I had the most useless phys ed degree ever, and yeah. not, not teaching. Yeah. Because exactly. I didn't want to do you, Racket Lake. I didn't right. want to do all that all that stuff that comes along with it. To yeah. be, I knew I was going to be a teacher. Teacher, it's not my. It's not in my in my drive to be a teacher but I was going to stay and do a GA and just coach at Corland and then try to figure football life out right but my father asked me to come home for summer and work in the oh, family business the and that's it I got stuck and, and this is where I am to this day I mean football is still part of my life later on because I, I ended up still getting into coaching that's for a long saying, period of time when you when you first came back now did you go to Don Edith yeah. and ask yeah. if you could volunteer yeah, I, wanted to, yeah, I was a volunteer for I want to say two, two years, years right? and then my third year is when he ended up retiring. Correct. And and the coaching position came open and they, they gave me a, 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 coordinator. a coordinator side position. But yeah. you started as the receivers coach. I, yeah, I started as receiver, secondary, yeah. wherever they needed me, to, I'd coach. It's not that, you know, it's, listen, you don't, you're going to learn as you go along, no matter what position you coach or no matter what your tenure is, you're always learning and absorbing from other guys you work with. Uh, from other clinics that you go to, from other styles that you admire, there's always a learning process in football. And so wherever they put you is not difficult because as long as you know the basics, yeah. then you can expand off to what really works. And I remember the funny story you used to tell when you first started. They had you up in the press box. Yeah. And the coach Edick just loved to run the football. He, yeah. there, there was no way he was going to throw it. Correct. He wasn't going to throw it. No. And they basically weren't covering... A receiver right and and you were trying to reiterate that information to Don so he would hopefully use, yeah. it, use it and maybe maybe do something and throw the ball and and he didn't have the, the response that we thought he might. Don Don always wanted to know where the free safety was yes and I couldn't figure that out because we threw maybe three times a game That's it. so trying to figure out you know, so at one point he's like we you know on the phone he I could hear him in the background where's the free safety and I'm like, tell coach he's four yards off the ball and he's breathing fire. <laughs> I mean, he's playing the run. Everyone was playing the run, you know. But back then, it didn't matter. Back then, 
it, it, it was a, a stretch of time from the late 80s to the early and mid 90s where we had horses yeah I mean we could just line, yeah, you just line up and you just run over kids and it didn't matter we had a we had a working class kid uh, uh, a grind you know put their nose to the grindstone kind of kind of attitude and the players fit that attitude yeah and it was a great six or seven year run for us. When I first got there, we were just ending that run. Probably the 90, 93 team was, you know, 93 team, 94. That's where it started to change a little bit and yeah. we could see the lack of athletes. But it always goes in, in cycles. You, it you does. Know, there's there's going to be does. years where you have nothing in high school football and there's going to be years where you really got two or three great athletic classes coming through. But that's tough because the, I would say the 92, the 93, and the 94 team, I believe, were championship teams, correct? Uh, two and three. 92 and, and 93. 94, 94. 94 wasn't. Yeah, 94, 94, wasn't. 94 we fell short. We were, we were, I think, we were only five and three. But you, you okay, so that you didn't go to the sectionals that year? No. No, okay. No. Nope. And then 95 happens. That was another down Well, I year. think we went to the sectionals. It was probably like a first round. It might have been a first round exit. You know, right. but depending on, I can't remember how, how expansive it was. It was only four teams back then. Now it's like, you know, everybody Everyone goes to sectionals. Yeah. What, what was your first experience at the Dome like? Like, Were you mesmerized by being at the Dome, or did you just see it as just another game? Well, I mean, it's it's, it's pretty impressive when you go in there because you go from playing on a grass field with maybe a 1,000 people right. in total stands you know, on, a, on, a, on a slow weekend to you know a place that holds 40,000 people, 45,000 yeah. people. And my first experience in the Dome was playing in the Dome in sectional, in sectional finals, right. uh, semis and finals. So uh, we actually, my, our junior year, we were playing Cortland High School. And so I got, in, I got, you know, I just dressed, I didn't do anything. And our senior year, we played Jamesville Dewitt. And Jamesville Dewitt had uh, Rob Drummond at uh, tailback. He was fantastic. Played for the Eagles. Yeah, yeah. Played the Eagles, Steelers, he was all over. And um, so, so you know, I, I got to get into that game because uh, one of the kids that played D tackle had a concussion. He was he was dinged up bad. And usually when you, when you had a concussion back then, they just throw you back in. Yeah, they, yeah, they had no okay. idea. Okay. Now this kid was pretty good. He was hurting pretty good. So I pulled him out, and before he could yell, you know, give me another tackle, I ran in there, and so I just filled a spot for the series. And that was, that was my my one experience of actually playing when it counted. Right. You right. know. So, uh, but that was the experience as a player wise. But as a coach wise, it's actually totally different. Yeah, because you know what to take in, you know what you're looking at, you know what the moment means. You know everything is is, is expanded tenfold as a coach, because you're not only in control, trying to control your your own actions during the game and all that. You're trying to control 35 kids, right? You know, and making them Focus. perform the way you were. I that's a bit, that's the biggest thing because they could get overwhelmed by it walking in. You know, did you ever see Don have nerves? Was he ever nervous? Because I mean, he always exuded such confidence. Leadership and, and just intensity. Yeah. Did you ever see him like? Was he ever second guessing himself? No, or nervous? absolutely never, not second guessing himself. Yeah. It, would, it wouldn't be a matter of second guessing, but the nerves would build up before yes. the game. You could see it. You could. You could always see it. The nerves would build up, and then you'd wait for that pregame speech in the locker room. When uh, his one of his famous lines is, "I got chills running up and down yeah. my back." You know, then the kids kids would get pumped up by that. You know, that, that whole thing worked back then. You know, yeah, it did. And um, and then then once you get out in the field and and you're gonna run the same damn play every time, we'd run, we'd run isolation yep, right inside. You know, right, that's right, it. Right, right, and we're gonna right. see what they're made of. His, yeah. his quiz thing was, "Let's see what they're made of." So once you get going in the game, all that, nah, Don was he was under control. He was cool. Once in a while, he you know he obviously. Well, you get lost in the game, and that's where you know the assistants. I mean, we had we had some guys that have been there, Bob Jones and and Jerry, Jerry Pinaresi, Ronnie Mattia. Those guys have been with him through the thick and thick and thin, and uh, and those guys always were there to assist and to help and, and to come up with those little ideas here and there. I mean, Don ran the show. 
There's no no if and or buts about it, but the input he always looked for input, and and you know a lot of times he would use it. You know a lot of times, but it depends who's giving the input. Right, if I'm course. giving the input, he ain't, get, he ain't using what I'm using. I mean, I'm a young guy. I'm not yeah. ready. You know, yeah. but those guys have been with him through the war, he so trusted. he trusted him and believed in them. You know, so he retires unexpectedly in '96. You become the offensive coordinator. Now, did you actually have to interview to be the offensive coordinator, or did you kind of get it by default? How did they decide Frank Cristiano is going to be the OC? No, well, the whole idea, Bob Jones, who was there, who took over the head spot, Yeah, he's kind of more of like, listen, I want, I want to delegate authority. You know, I want you to have this. More I want you to have this. Yeah, and, and that was a big thing for me. I mean, I was more overwhelmed by that than anything. Like, my God, thank you for the opportunity, you know, and... Uh, and I, you know, I was, I was ready to go. Had oh, my, you were had excited. My, had my playbook. And I had everything. All, the all, all, everything. Well, that was later. Wristbands were later. Yeah. That was when we, when we changed the offensive styles. But yeah, back in the late '90s, man, when he handed the reins, he said, "Here, listen, you, you do it." Now, granted, you know, everything would be checked through him, but he, he had confidence in yeah what we were doing. So there never really was a question. There was more of we would ask him, "What do you want?" Right. You know, because sometimes you know we want to throw the ball. He wants to run the ball. Sometimes it's the opposite way. So Bob was always fair. And open-minded and, and really tolerant sometimes. Even if we made a mistake, you know, he's like, all right, let's get back on track and get our heads together because we can't drift. You know? But the, the offense completely changed. Where did you come up with a concept for, for the, the, the new offense that you ended up running for a few years? And why did you do that? Was it more well, because you the, saw the talent? Well, you're talking into the 2000s 96. now? 96. Because you did change things right away. We changed things right away. Yeah. We, we, needed, we, had, we had talent. We had kids that could throw the Ball. Right. We had, Billy we had kids. Verco was there. Uh, Sir Sally. Danny Sir Sally was just a yep. fantastic athlete. Great. Yep. Danny Sir Sally to this day, I still talk to him. He's, he's one of your best. He's the only kid that knew the playbook in and out. Yep. I could just tell him, you call the play, and he could call the play. And we did that. I mean, we allowed him to have checks on the line Dan and allowed him to Billy, do different things. Yeah. Dan and Billy yep. could audible. And yep. They 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 saw the field yeah. differently. And in high school ball, that's that's pretty good. If you if you if you have guys that can do that and you have confidence in them and all that, it, it opens up uh, a lot of avenues. You know, we're still. And we're still rudimentary and things that we did in a way, but you know now we started to spread it out a little yep. bit more. We started to open up. We started to involve that passing game. Where in high school, a lot of times you don't see that. A lot of times, coaches are stubborn. But you know, hey, if you win, you can't criticize them. But they line it up and they want to run the ball a lot, you know. But we had athletes, so when we wanted to open it up, we need. To, we, we know we're never going to be. It's on top, right? Exactly. We, we we can't line up with the more with the larger schools and be more physical at that point. With Nottingham, because the athletes yeah. have changed. Yeah. Right. So so that's where we that's that's where it all developed into. And you ended up running. I mean, I I remember playing. We ran quite a bit of three step, and I I thought we were one of the only teams in the league that did three step at the time, probably. Probably. Under center three step. Probably. You know, we ran every team slam. probably has it. Yeah. But. but to, to use it is, is a different thing. It yeah, well. it wasn't bad, you know. And, and we we had I mean we had uh, we had Jafoon and Mike Least at uh, at tail Tailback, too, you know. Yeah. And Mike Mark could Pierce run the ball. Pierce could run the ball. So we had some talented athletes. We didn't have the horses up front. No, at least not no, enough we were to, very to weak up front. So that's why you got to end up loosening it up with throwing the ball. And the three step game worked. And all that. it's just stuff that I brought with me from college that I knew and experienced. So it was an easy transition for me. And then the other coaches jumped on it because they saw that you know it, it, as long as it's run correctly, we can have a lot of success with it. Yeah, yeah, and, and it was a struggle at first. You know, the first few years, five and three, four and four, four and four. Right. And then uh, after my class, it really dropped off. Oh. I think you went two years with one win and, and win less. Win less. We 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 did we did two years in a row with one win. 
Then we came back. Yes. In the early 2000s. Again, with Spinella. classes of athletes Correct. are what drive you, you know, and we had a, this was a, after your graduation, our athletic pool was very limited. Weak. We were yeah. limited, yeah. And then, and then after the, that 2002 McQuarrie, season, right. yeah, 2003, 2004, we had, yeah, we had some athletes. We had, we had teams that could match up with anybody in our conference in our league, and probably I would say even outside the section, we could match up with teams. And did, was is, was that the time that you ended up moving to defense? Because I think it was either O two or O three where you played CBA yeah. and you played Paulus, yep, yep, and you played him tougher than anyone. Yeah, we, we had all year. We had his number. We should have won that game. He's a great quarterback. Yeah, he's just a great athlete. But uh, but yeah, I ended up I switched on defense. I think in the two thousand one season. And Matia ran and, the offense. And Matia, Ron Matia yeah. had taken charge of the offense, and it was good. You know, Ronnie Ronnie's a, a, a no no bullcrap, straightforward kind of guy. You yeah. know, he's going to run things his way, and it's going to be a, a little narrower in perspective. It was simple. Yeah, but 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 he stuck he stuck with it, and so. Defensively on my side, what I do, I'm 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 uh, I'm Captain Chaos. So I'm yeah. going to take away your three best plays. I'm going to take them away by formation or by pressure. And then after that, I'm going to let you figure it out who else you're going to try to beat me. But I can't let you beat me with your best guys. And you were hammering Paulus. Like, you were sending the house. Well, that game, yeah, we had yeah. to. We had to. And, and they were missing guys. They, yeah. they, they had a guard who went around, I think, smashing mailboxes the beginning of the week, so they suspended him for that game. Right. And then they had another kid who was out, and I don't know if it was due to injury. So they were missing a couple pieces, but they had depth. They were they were loaded, and that's that's Christian Brothers Academy back in 2000, yes. uh, 2003. But but that scheme you came up with, yeah, yeah, we, we, we ran, played him so tough. Yeah, and we, it, we it ran, was the extra point. And listen, I... I uh, uh, I called friends for help that week. Oh, what, yeah. what would you do here? What, what do you do? And then I try to put everything together and try to figure out what we can do with the athletes that we have and implement what we're trying to do. And it was, you know, we were up 14, we were up 14, 13 at the half. Everyone's the going in line. like I just yeah. won the Super Bowl, you know. Yeah. So, but, and we came back and one busted play. And 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 Paulus, it was the extra point, didn't it? Uh, we, we missed that, but but it was the play that killed us. We had a we had a, I think it was third and twenty three. Yeah, and and Paulus just ended up getting around our defensive end and scrambled for like twenty five yards or twenty six yards. It totally changed that dynamic of yeah. the game. We the were up by eight, the and we ended up, and that's but those things happen, you know. And, and great athletes make great plays, and so he did. But that was a that was a great team. It was a great experience, and yeah. sort of sort of catapulted us up a little bit to figure out what we need to do to succeed in the next few years. You now, know? when did you end up going to the Coast Guard Academy to start learning some of the spread concepts? Be like February 2008, I think it was. Because I know that we you, uh, we ran some in 05 when we had uh, Miziak. Miziak right. did some great stuff. Right. And then 06, I mean, you had right. Dwyer and Matthias. You had a real physical 06, team. we had a great defense. We yeah. had a, that, that defense that we had was just unparalleled. I mean, honestly, the best defense in the league without a doubt. And so we made some great strides. This, again, figuring it out, but in 2007, we got to the sectional finals and we ran out of gas against Car good Carthage team right. up in northern New York. And we just realized that we need to get ourselves moving faster yeah we need to be able to take advantage of weak spots we need to be able to adjust on the fly faster we need to be able to win with again lesser sized guys up front you got to know how to use your talent yeah and so right we way. went to uh, my my friend uh who played with me at Cortland cc grant 
he was a defensive coordinator at the time up at Coast Guard Academy, and he's now the head coach up at Coast Guard Academy. Right. But uh, at the time, he hooked me up with his offensive coordinator, and we ended up going up there and spending a whole day and just going over how they implement the no huddle spread offense. Right. Now you're talking hand signals. You're talking uh, tempos to change in paces. Um, you're talking formational shifts. There's right. Some, a lot of things were, were foreign to us and new. I mean, we, we watch on TV all the time. We look at it. But to actually implement it into what you want to do with Going your athletes is different. Yeah, well, it's, it's different. Did, yeah, yeah. It's, it's all different. It's all different. So we went up there, came back after one full day of just uh, uh, hanging out and talking. And we, so we agreed and said, this is what we have to do. So in 2008, we ended up scrapping everything and going to a spread no huddle offense. And Todd Holman was a big part of that, too. Todd Todd comes in. Todd comes in Todd coaches the JV team. Right, He was yeah. a JV head coach, and he had experience up at college level at Hampton College with the spread. Correct. Um, he was so, the OC there. Yeah, yeah. So it, it was – but, you know, I, gotta, I give him credit, though. He kept his nose out of it. He, he wasn't did. Gonna, he did. But – to ask he him for advice, it, yeah. For asking for for advice, or you can ask him for advice. That's fine. He sort of understood where we were coming from, and we ran the no huddle, no huddle spread at a simplistic level because uh, basically, I think we went, we changed tempo maybe five times we, the we, whole we, year. Yeah, we, we didn't change tempo. We were looking more for adjustments. Well, we we had someone up in the box, and I know it was a struggle for you to be on the headsets and listen yeah. to what was going on and yeah. still call the plays. You had to, you needed to think for yourself. Well, what happened was, I mean, because I was up in the box a lot of the, the time. The head coach didn't want to lose control of the offense and the defense, so he wanted to. He we came up with the plan that he's going to call the run, run plays, plays, and I would call the pass plays from Wait, the sideline. And that lasted a long time. That right? lasted about a game, yes. a game and a half. It was after it was, it was a, after the camp. Yeah, game. it was after no, it was after the Carthage, Carthage game, game, and that was it. Was, we played two games. We beat Camden, and then we lose to Carthage. Because Doyle, Doyle was hurt. Yeah, and uh, Mike but, Doyle but, was but, hurt. but we don't know. You know, the kids are confused. They yeah. got two guys that are calling plays. Because it was it, whoever was to the right was the live one, and whoever was to the whoever, left whoever, wasn't. Whoever was, whoever was closer to the our end zone yeah, was, is was, live. So we were actually like, all right, what do you want to do? You want to throw the ball? You want to throw the ball? So then I would have to move behind Bob to and, call the position. And, and think about what you want to run. Yeah, and it's, so after that game, Bob, Bob made the right decision. And no, he did. you got to give him credit because basically he he's demoting himself. Right. In a way, he's not, he is, but he's not, you know, because it's still his team, and he can call. I would still ask, "What do you want?" all the time, but he's demoting himself. So, listen, you got to call the offense and the defense. You, or excuse me, you got to call the offense, whether but, it's a but, run or a pass. You got to call it. But but this didn't happen like when we were, we were watching film on Sunday, game planning for Whitesboro. That that's not when it happened. It didn't no, happen it happened on the, the bus. Week of it happened. <laughs> it happened on the bus ride to Whitesboro, <laughs> to Whitesboro where you're sitting next. Four thirty. Four thirty-five o'clock. Hey. Uh, you know, you can call it. You can so call I had, it today. So I had, like, no script for the run game whatsoever. You went in yeah. blind. And, and you know what? We ended up losing that game 22-21 in, in overtime. Yeah, it was, a, it was a great game. And we had our shots. And, you know, but, but from that point on, uh, it, it all clicked. It seemed, oh, it, it did. seemed to click. It, we, we were we were, uh, we were high-powered offense, so we really um, – we really put people in the right positions. We had great players. Anthony Acevedo was unbelievable. We had great players. Anthony we ended, up, we ended up at Utica College, and he was yeah. a fantastic receiver at Utica Rutgers. College. And yeah. Mike Doyle was undersized, under-strength uh, quarterback. You look at him, you're like, this guy would be good at like a dart league. Well, he played and, as a freshman. He, play, he had to. He, yeah. had, he had to play because he could throw the he football. He could sling it, yeah. And he understood what we were looking for. You know, that's the biggest thing. I mean, when you have a kid that can throw – 
a 25 or 30 yard seam ball on the fly, then you know you have something. Well, you we know, had and, Stafford, and, 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 yeah, yeah, we had that with John Boyle, another. So we and, and we we had the best we had the Perfect. best running back in the league. We had yeah. Joe Carcone in the backfield. Well, I mean, there's the best uh, to me. Still the record. Still holder. the still the best yeah. zone runner that we'll ever see in yeah. this area. Just yeah. fantastic. Yeah, he, the way he could read it, you know, the, he, the, the way the, he could cut. He, he would find another five foot six guy, five foot seven guy. Yeah. I mean, nothing to him, but you know, he's solid body wise. But for him, for what he could see and read, that was a that was a fantastic year. So we get to the tough as nails. Yeah, we get to the sectional finals in the Carrier Dome again. Camden and against yeah. uh, against Camden or our repeat. So we beat him earlier in the season in the first game of the season, but we didn't blow, know what we were doing. Out. They didn't know. Yeah, they yeah. didn't know what we were doing. No, I think we only won by ten, but we, we, we didn't know what we were doing. They didn't know what they they figured themselves out. We figured us out. And so now we face in the in, in the dome again, and we ended up remember the first play scoring. Of the game? Uh, first play of the game was a five yard hitch. hitch. We, we adjusted it, and so Anthony it was it. yeah. It was a it was just a check with me. Yep. They came back. The 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 D backs playing off. So I'm like, let's take the five. So we call. We adjusted to the hitch. He catches for five, and then he runs for seventy five more. Yep. I mean, it's just first, it's play, great. Of the first game. play of the game. I just saw him the other day. I just mentioned that to him too. Set the tone. So, but we ended up scoring. We had five possessions in the first half. We scored on all five. Yeah, and the, the other play that. I I always liked is because we were so versatile we we used a lot of the same personnel we would go to king's formation which was two tight ends we'd have stafford and boyle yep and then you'd run the king's choice right which were the tight end option routes yep yep and those it's were hard, huge it's hard to stop those were it's, huge it's, it's, it's hard it's hard to stop it's the, the, but the, just that that you got to give it all to the kids there wasn't. There, I mean, we we, oh, we were comfortable talent. all year. They finally figured out what the calls were. They figured out where to fit and mesh. You try to get early on. That's what camp is for. Yeah. But you know, obviously, we switched everything around in the middle of the season. Yeah. So now yeah. It, it, it was just coming together, and, and and our line held up well. You know, so I just I think it was just a it was a, it was a great run for us. Uh, listen. Well, we had the Hoffman. I we had I coached the line. We had the yeah. Hoffman brothers. We yep. had Gaffney. Yep. You know. Yep. We, we did have some very very good team. But. To 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 call an end of the half fourth down and five play and we call halfback pass. The, the, Those are everything worked. Everything worked. Yeah. Everything worked to score a touchdown on that too. Everything worked. So it just it was a it was a magical little run there. We got to the state playoffs. We ended up facing a team that was just unreal. I mean, uh, one of those double wing uh, uh, teams that yeah. they're 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 physically they're tough up front. And they they refuse to kick the ball, so they don't punt. So you're not going to get. There's only going to be so many times you're going to get the ball back. I had to go get the film when we played them. What was that? Do you remember the name of that team? Uh, it was uh, it Section was, Four. Yeah. Being there, they had West and East. They had uh, two different two different schools. Uh, and I'm totally drawing a blank right now. How I bad is too. that that I'm drawing a blank I on am that? Too. Getting I am older. Too. But I still, I, to this day, I tell everyone because <laughs> I, I ended up I, I coached in college shortly after that. That was the best coaching job I had ever witnessed in my life to be an offensive and defensive coordinator yeah, at the did, high school level. That's right, I did for the defense too. And had that success, win a championship with that talent. Yep. And you did special teams. Yeah. I mean you did it you did it all. We did that was the year. Well you know when you have And you did have we did have talent, but when you have talent though that makes it so much easier. You can call whatever you want to call, they're gonna cover your asses a lot of times. But I, I I completely I really admired your coaching job. because like I don't think there especially in this area there's a lot of guys that could have gone out been an offensive coordinator, a defensive coordinator, and really a special teams coordinator. 
and win a championship. I yeah. really, really admired that, and I really, I really appreciate thought that. It, it, it worked out. It, it worked out well. Best jobs I've ever seen. So we go to 09, and now Todd comes up. Yep. So Todd comes up and handles the offense. You still run the defense. Yep. And we still had tremendous talent. We had uh, we had Anthony who who was playing quarterback. We had, we had two players and, jo- and Joey. We had two players that scored twenty five touchdowns each yeah. in the season. Anthony so, took a QB sneak for a touchdown. Yeah, I yeah. So that you know, we we were we were on a roll. What happened was, and now here's where you got to give credit to Lights other coaches. Well. Yep. Great way. So we ran the no huddle spread. We ran a lot of zone keep. And that was the thing that would really be the the difference maker is zone key. Well, no, a lot of people back then didn't understand, understand it. how to defend right. it. You and know? and we come up and beat our rival Whitesboro in the regular season, pretty good. First time and I had ever beaten them. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, it's it's a big factor because they're in our area. That's the that's the pinnacle. If you can stay or beat Whitesboro, and it was the first uh, time it. that yeah. we we had beaten Whitesboro in like fifteen years. Yep. Yeah, yeah, and that's a and that's a great that's a great staff right there. It's a fantastic staff, top to bottom, uh, at that time in two thousand nine, and they, they ended up adjusted. Saying, they adjusted well. The three man front. Yep. Yeah, yeah. And they they ran the safety down to play for the quarterback. That's it. They're just hanging an outside linebacker yeah. or safety there to be able to just play the quarterback. So it yeah. takes a lot of it away and all that. And you know, we, not, not to there's no excuses to be made. I mean, we got whipped. Uh, but bottom line, we had a couple injuries going into the game. Yeah, we had, and we had, and and we lost. Yeah, Savadio, uh, Vince Savadio, uh, rolling his ankle in the first quarter. That that took us out of what we because we had a lot of game planning for putting him in the throw to Anthony. Yeah, yeah, to throw to Anthony. So it, it change it changes everything up, you know. And uh, but you got to give him credit. Hey, that's why no, that's why they play the job. games. You they can't go in. Job. You can't go in just say you're going to win. You got to play the game. So it was good. And that's that's kind of when again the cycle it dropped off a little bit. But um, you stay on. Yeah, I'm still there. Yep. Bob stays another two years. Yeah, he's there till ten and a ten. And then Todd comes in. Todd comes in as the head coach at eleven. And then you you stayed until seventeen or, or no? 15? I stayed. I stayed until fourteen. End 14. of fourteen. End yep. of fourteen. End of fourteen. But you just you just loved football, and you always yeah. loved to learn. You 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 knew that you didn't have all the answers. Yeah. You yeah. wanted to see what everyone else was doing. You wanted no. to pick up things. You tried to run the three five defense, didn't you? A yeah. couple of years. Yeah. Not you, uh, you weren't afraid not, to do no. anything. No, that's not, and I went from there. I went to Hamilton for three years. Right. I Coach coached. I coached tight ends at Hamilton, and basically that was a learning experience because now you're at the bottom of the total yeah. pool. Whatever you say yeah. means nothing. Yeah, you know, and that's and the guy. You know, the head coach there was my coach in college. You know, so I loved the guy. So I played. You know, I loved playing for him, and so I had no problems going there and, and jumping on the staff. And the old coordinator at the time was my quarterback. Right. At Cortland, you know, so there's a familiarity right there, and uh, you know it worked out well. Hamilton's a difficult place to win because not just you know talent it's tough wise, to recruit. it's tough to recruit. They're on a, they're on a different level, and they it's don't want to. They don't want to. Yeah, they don't want. Not so much the money. Uh, they just the administration doesn't want to open up to let the kids the, in. Yeah, the, uh, they 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 keep their standards very high. Even if right. you're an athlete, you can you can bring something to the table. It doesn't matter to them. So until until Hamilton gets over that obstacle, that'll be very difficult to win there again. But Man, there was. Uh, I learned a lot. I learned a lot in those three years. I learned when to say something, when to keep my mouth shut. I right. learned, you know, again, you're at the bottom of the totem pole. At one point, my first year there, I was coaching one guy. 
Right. They went from double slot offense to a regular uh, sort of spread in a way, but, but they wanted a tight end, so they took a linebacker and made him a tight end. Who well, had no idea what he was doing. Uh, well, you know, I wouldn't say that. The guy was really he's a pretty smart kid. Yeah. So he That's knew funny. he knew more than I knew because he'd already been in the system in a way, sort of. So, so he knew he, at times he was coaching me up. Right. And, but I learned from all that, which you know, basically, you know, indie drills were, were kind of boring because it's just me and him. How many times can I have him run a route or block a sled because he'll be out of gas in two minutes? You know, it's just him. Ready for the team stuff. Yeah, so was, a lot of it was we joked around a lot about that, and all, but that's a kid's uh, Jordan Jenkins. That was his yeah. name. Now, he's an FBI agent right now. How about that? Was he the kid that was six seven? You were telling me. No, no, that was. That was uh, um, oh my God, what's his? Uh, I can't remember his name. Oh, it's AJ Canarella. Okay. That's his name. And another, another great athlete. The second year we have a six seven kid coming in. Kid played uh, tight end at uh, down in. Um, uh, I want to say. Oh, it's in Pennsylvania. I forget the name of the school. Small school, like a class D for us. Or anyone they win a state championship, not like Old Forge or something like that. So uh, and they go, you got a six seven tight end. This is fantastic. Now right. I got I got something to work with right. here. We got Returner and Jenkins. We got this kid here coming out, and uh, all of a sudden the kid gets mono and misses like I don't know the whole damn season because he's sick. He's sick, yeah. right? Then so come, they come back my third year. And they take him and they move him to tackle because yeah, they need a tackle. So your was, best guy. Yeah, this kid was an athlete. He would have been he would have been killer at tight end, you know. But it is what it is. That's what that's what the game's about. At that level, you have to adjust to whatever you have. So jumping back, when you came back from college, um, your dad was still running the pizzeria. When did you actually take over the pizzeria? Was that '96 as well? Oh, no, uh, basically in '93. Uh, end of 93, 94 when I came back from school. That's that's when you came back and right. you really kind of took the reins well, from Yeah, I mean, I was running all the time and all that and just try, you know, trying to improve it. And and uh, and then we ended up moving in 2002 to a bigger facility. You know, so we went from, I don't know, 1,500 square feet, 1,800 square feet store to that, that sat 40 people right. to a 10,000 square foot facility that, you know, sat like 300. And was that your decision to move? Yeah. That was that was on you? We, w- we wanted more parking. We wanted a bar. I, I wanted yeah. a bar. I wanted, I, just, I wanted to be able to offer more to attract more. Right. Yep. But, the, I mean, what, what's amazing to me is, I mean, where did you develop the leadership qualities that you had? Because, you know, you're coming in, you're such a young kid. Yeah. And now you're running the show, and you got all these people that are looking up to you and depending on you. You're the leader. Where where, where did that come it's from? It's like every, any other store. If you're if you're a generational and you're a son or a daughter and you're stepping into it, the people they're going to do what you say. Right. It's just a matter of how you say it and how you want it done. Right. Um, and a lot of times I'm too easy. You are. You give people chances. I, I mean, you hired me. So. And that was the worst decision ever. ever it was horrible. Ever. You almost destroyed a $30,000 oven at the time. Uh, I, but, I did more damage. I know. Yeah, I, so but, I probably still owe you money. No, the thing the thing that it, it's... Uh, I, I try to run a business always looking at it from the other side. I know what it is to work for someone, Yeah. which I did in college. And then I know what it is to be a, an owner be in or, or, or a manager, yes. be in charge. So I always try to look at it on both sides. I don't want your to. Obje- your objective. I'm not there to work someone to the bone. Yeah. I want I, just, I want the mental effort and the physical uh, prowess to to bring the best that a person has to the table. Well, that's why the the thing that always impressed me is with the younger kids, because you you would hire high school kids, you would hire kids coming home from college, but you would try to mentor them. 
you would always try to teach them something, teach them some life lessons, and mentor them while you had them, so they were better off after they left. They that need, was my impression. They need the kids need knowledge. Yes, and they need the right knowledge. So to me, school knowledge is important. School knowledge is not sure. everything. No, it doesn't prepare because you for life. our kids come out of school with no basic street skills. Yeah. No, nope. so so they can't balance a checkbook. They nope. can't fix a tire. No, nope. uh, they can't put a, a nail into a wall. Can't pay their rent. They can't look, especially this generation now. Everyone complains about the next generation, but right. I'm, I'm being honest. This generation of kid can't look you in the eye to talk to you. They can't communicate. Correct. It's it's a non-existent. No, they, they'll, they'll sit and they'll text you. They'll text you to death. <laughs> but to, but to, to come you. and look to you in the face, they can't do it. And people are going to blame COVID. They're going to blame what 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 it is is basically technology. Technology has put us it's ahead us, yeah. as a as a business society. It has put us behind as a functional society. Yeah. So we don't function as as a society, and we function as individuals. Yeah, socially right? we struggle. Correct, so big yeah. time, big time, and, it, and it's bad. It's it's going to get worse. It's not going to get better. Wait till AI takes over in ten years. Right. So now you're going to have guys that we don't, they don't even know to go to school anymore because they're going to learn everything from AI. Exactly. So we're 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 just we're at an impasse right now. This is kind of a uh, remember the Industrial Revolution, the late 1800s, when they're, they're coming. In, oh my God, they got the spool, the wheel. We can make we can make uh, cloth and linen out of that. This is the next revolution in, this, in the world. Right? Is this AI and technology revolution? How do we not have our future generations of, of kids become vegetables? Yeah. I mean, I'm I'm not. Listen, I'm on my phone a lot. I'm on my phone all, watching this social all, media crap. It's, it's, I'm on my sure. phone a lot looking at it, but. You know where do we break it off, and where where do people um, want to be a valuable and productive member of society? Because that's not there right now. But the the, the other thing that always impressed me about you, you had an entrepreneurial spirit. I mean, you would try anything. I mean, you you, you tried, you did try a lot of burger. Um, right next to McDonald's, you had a store like a country market. Didn't you have that? Uh, my father had a grocery store. Your sister ended up breaking off, and now she has the Tonys at Burstone. Yep. Right. You did the comedy club. You you had a sports bar for a while. Yep. I mean, you're never afraid to try something. What brought that on? Like, where did that come from? The, entre <laughs> the entrepreneurial spirit. Well, how uh, is it just to make how, money? How, or is it just, how else am I going to make money? It, so, how am I going to feed okay. my family and pay my but bills? But you're very creative, though, with well, what you want to do. I mean, I'm bringing... I've, I've, you'll ta try I've tapped on ideas that I thought this area where we live in Correct. would absorb right away. Right. And unfortunately, they don't. Right. I thought a lot, lot of ideas were, were really... At the, I mean, I, I don't, especially autolicious. Nowadays, that was a great idea. nowadays, right? Nowadays, people love food trucks. Right, that's, love a, that's food the trucks. new thing. And the you had food, one. I had one in two thousand two. Yeah. I had a thirty-six foot long RV that I turned into a pizzeria on wheels. Yeah. Pizza, sandwiches, soda, drinks, everything right out of that out of that RV. You were gonna boat it out. To I was gonna. At I was gonna take jet 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 <laughs> yeah. uh, jet skis yeah. and we're gonna we're gonna boat it out to boat your pizza out right out. And and I couldn't, couldn't sell. Get a permit. I, they wouldn't let me park anywhere. Yeah. The, every, every restaurant complained that I'm parking next to yeah. them. Every event said I'm not welcome. Yep. Every person threw me out of where I was. Now, there are posts on social media. Hey, anybody got any food trucks they Everyone can bring by? Them. Everyone loves a food truck now. Yeah. And no one's saying anything. So, maybe I was ahead of my time in certain things. You know, and that's why. But maybe I was too early. 
Now, I mean, if I brought it back, maybe there's success, but I don't even want to do that. I just want to keep moving. But bottom line, uh, starvation makes people uh, inventors. Yeah. Inventors. You're, yes. you're angry because you're yeah. starving, but you got to yeah. invent your next meal. Right. And the only way to do that, if for me, I mean, what am I going to do with a phys ed non-teaching degree? So, um, what what's also crazy is going from there... Um, I don't like I like the the comedy club idea, the comedy club idea in two thousand four. Where did, where did that two thousand two? We opened it, it was two thousand two. Where did that come from? That was I, I'm friends with one of the with, local with radio personalities here, right? And we just came up with the idea. I said, look, why don't we do this? So we did it with partners, and we put it together. In the first year and a half, you couldn't get a seat in the place. No, it was packed. It, awesome. was, it was packed. So we thought we hit the lottery, right? And then come the second year, when summer rolls around, it was a ghost town. Because people up here do not do anything inside when it's summer. They're inside seven to eight months out of the year when it's cold. And when there's sunshine, they want to be out. And they want to be out at a boat or a lake or they want to be at their camp or they want to go on vacation. So for us, we were, we were it was almost four straight months where we had yeah. no one coming in. I mean, yeah. it was awful. Yeah. And so how do you make that float? So you know, I ended up renting it out to someone for a little while, but then that didn't work out because they couldn't make a run of it. So it's not so much... The person running it, it's the, well, the, the the physical business itself can only survive in a few months out of the year. Right. So that's where we ended up. We closed it up, and then I re-brought it back uh, two years ago. You and Bill opened it in 02, and did it stay open until 05 or 05. 06? 05, right. we rented it out the end of end of 04, middle of 04, somewhere in there. Okay. And I ended up renting it out, and then ended up free. They went about a year and a half, and they couldn't make it. They could not make a go of it because... You can't. If there's not enough people in our area to support that kind of entertainment. It's not an entertainment they're used to. They would right. rather go out and listen to a band yeah. and drink a beer at a, at a bar. You know, that's just what they're used to here. There's no. Uh, and granted, a comedy club is a unique niche, and and uh, you know, if you're in a tourist area, that would go over a little better, probably. I'm assuming, but we're not a tourist area, so it's a tough gig to overcome. You know, and so do I need this. Still struggle to do that? I have no idea. We'll see what the fall and the winter brings. I have no idea what plans are. Well, but, you, you uh, have a couple of great ideas. You have you have Fiala, right, coming to the Stanley. Yeah, Jimmy Fallow will be at the Fallow. Stanley Theater. We signed him. We had him in our club four times. Four and he, times and it was draws. a sellout. Yes. Right. So now we brought him. He's, he's, if you don't know him, uh, he's Fox. a conservative radio personality. He took over Rush Limbaugh's airwaves. So he has 12 million listeners on the radio. From there, he transitioned to Fox, uh, the Greg Gutfeld show, because he is a comedian. And uh, pretty soon, he'll end up having his own right. TV show on Fox at right. late, late night. So uh, now we're hoping that you know that show will, will will do well at the Stanley Theater, which holds three thousand here. So we're taking a big leap of faith. That, yeah, absolutely. You know, I sold I sold one hundred and twenty tickets for five shows. That's six hundred people. I could have sold another two or three hundred. So we're talking eight or nine hundred people, maybe a thousand wanted to see him. Right. Uh, where I hope I can translate to a thousand or fifteen hundred at the Stanley can. Theater. Well, we'll see. And I briefly want to touch on you were one of the only local businesses to go to Woodstock. Talk to me about that process, getting that permit, yeah. getting in the Woodstock. How did that come? Well, there, I mean, if you depend on what you consider local, I mean, there were some from Rome, there were some from the Valley, so there were other, there were a, there few. Were a few other ones right. That so, what you, you just had to, you, you had to put your name, uh, you had to submit your company along with uh, a check to see if you could be accepted. So you had to pay to get in. Basically. Every ten foot by ten foot 
spot that you would take up yeah. every 10 feet by 10 feet would cost you four thousand at okay. that time so i took i took two of them i said i'll give you eight thousand give me a 10 by 20 i wanted the bigger spot bigger stand were there a lot of people that got denied yeah some got so, denied without a doubt because they, they just didn't have the plan ready as far as what are you going to serve because you couldn't everyone you, had to serve their one thing well they had to serve one thing but they have to serve something that is not served by the major food vendor at Did Woodstock, have, which was right. Ogden Foods. Ogden Foods does like uh, the Philadelphia the Philadelphia Stadium, you know, and they, they do all these different stadiums around the country as far as food service. So Ogden was going to do the general food that you see at concession stands back in the, you know, this was 1999, hamburgers, hot dogs, french fries, uh, uh, nachos. You know, they're going to sell all the carnival food, we'll call it. And so you couldn't sell that. So like our menu you, consisted you of, uh, I, I couldn't sell pizza. Yeah, I couldn't sell pizza because yeah. they're gonna sell pizza too. So yeah, we did. The we wraps. did. We did a sub. You know, yeah. they weren't selling subs. So we did a sub. We did a. We did a veggie wrap. We did calzones. I sold like seven thousand calzones. The baked potatoes. Yeah, we did a bit a load of baked potato. That was the bad idea for that. But you're always gonna hit on one and lose on another. So it doesn't really matter. But and you know and the beverages you had to buy from them too. So the four dollar bottle of waters. Yeah, we 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 paid three twenty. Yeah. On the four dollar bottle. Right. You know, so we made eighty cents a bottle on right. it. And and they ran out of that too. So it was it was a learning experience. Would I do it again? Absolutely. I mean it was well, it, it was, was crazy. Huge, right? It was a moneymaker, yeah. number one. We're it at the back. Huge. We were the last stand selling. Yeah, I remember so while during, the, while the, the riots, riots were going. Yeah, we were, yeah. we, well, you did a good job at, at, at housing up all the students I, that worked I for us this, and yes, got them to march back. Well, we always said the safe the safe house is the stand. Anything, yes. you know, if the shit hits the fan, come you, here. you come here to the, to, the, to the stand. So that was uh, so Sunday night. That's what happened. I mean, realistically, it wasn't as bad as what everyone. Well, I, I remember purports. seeing the cops running towards the riots right and i remember people still coming to the stands right. asking hey can i get a turkey sub hey right. can i get I a wrap and that's where we sold the most it, it was then, what happened was the red hot chili peppers were the closing act which disappointed everyone. yeah everybody wanted the rolling stones or prince there or whatever. was supposed were to good. be some special yeah. surprise yeah so uh so what they did was uh they, they amnesty international passed out like i don't know ten thousand candles, candles which they're gonna hold them everyone's gonna hold a the candle on the great stand idea, great idea. and 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 uh the Red Hot Chili Peppers are playing Light My Fire by the doors, right? So next thing you know, they're just gathering up wood and clothing, and they're just piling them up. All the seven towers or eight, are going up. Seven or eight towers are just yeah. on fire, you know? So we're at the stage, me and my wife. We drove, I had a U-Haul van, and I had an all-purpose pass. Because so you, they, they you slept in there, too, right? Uh, yeah, we were sleeping yeah. in the van, so we stayed right there on the base. And so we had an all-purpose pass. We'd go up to the front of the stage. We're watching, and we're like, we got to get out of here. This thing's going to explode. So we drive back at like one mile an hour, because everyone's rocking our van yeah. as we're driving back to get out of there we come back to the food stand which is about a mile away from yeah. the, from the music stand we're in the middle of the airbase and all of a sudden, I'm looking, there's like five or six hundred people lined up at the, at the stand. Look, all, they're all just hungry. They're looking for food. Because everyone, everyone shut down. Everyone shut down. All all the vendors shut down. They were terrified. And so I got to the I got to the stand, and the, the guys are like, "What do you want to do?" I'm like, well, I don't keep selling. So we keep selling. So if people are familiar with Woodstock '99, they had a, a group called the Drum People, and they would just bang on drums 24 hours a day yep. for five days. So it started Wednesday night. So it's okay. So they're banging on drums. So you just hear doom 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 and it's coming closer you can hear it it's getting a little closer what do you do sell so we're selling and it's getting closer and all of a sudden over the horizon over the ridge you see the fire no like 
20,000, 30,000 people just marching oh, with right. the drum people yes. and they're just yeah. oh, tearing right. yes. they're tearing and ripping stands down and grabbing crap yeah, and just it was, breaking it. It's a riot. Yeah. yeah, so it's a riot. I mean, they, they overplay it. Was, it. They, they did overplay They overplay it. it. They yeah. have to because then it's not a news story. So, no. But, but they, they can't stuff's, going on, stuff's exactly. going on that's wrong, yes. right? And so... And we see them, like, what do we do? And I'm like, keep selling. Yeah, so we keep I selling. remember. It was so great. they're literally about 100 yards from the stand. We're the only stand open out of 40 local vendors yeah. in Ogden Foods. And the riot police, state, you all start the state troopers, the, well, they come up. They come up in front the, of our stand. With the shields. They, yeah. got the, they have, they have a, the, the riot shield, the headgear on, and the batons. Yeah. And they line up in front of our stand. They push the people back. And the, 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 the captain of the, of the troop comes around me. He goes, listen, I can't tell you what to do, but I highly recommend that you close. So I'm like, all right, we're closed. Closed. And I just start throwing food. At everyone, whatever get we have, just yeah. give it. Just give it to them. They're hungry. Yeah. Whatever. Here, here's potatoes. Whatever. Here's for the wrap. Whatever it is, and we throw. So, and you marched all the kids back. So now we're all together. I go. Let's get out of here. So we marched single file. We and got out. Well, your wife had to call our parents. We call. Yeah, we had. We got call your parents. Because every, every, well, my sure phone was blowing up. My yeah. phone was blowing up because everybody thought their child was in danger. Make sure you know? everyone's safe. Yeah, and so so and then, listen, we had. I don't know, 30 workers. Oh, I know he did. Right. It was, so, it was three shifts. Yeah. So the, the overnight shift was always yeah. a, was when the raves were going yeah, on. Yeah. So they were all sleeping anyways. Nobody's working. So uh, so they all march out to the parking lot, and everybody takes off in the cars, and they go home. So three days later, they wouldn't let us on the base the first two days because it was locked down because of the, of the, yeah. the, the, the problem. There was a crime scene. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so the third day we go there, and like I had a tractor trailer behind the stand yes. that kept all our food. Yes. So the trailer ran out of gas at and the end it, of the first it night. It would bring new food in every right. day, right? At the, end of that, at the end of that first night of not being under the base, the trailer ran out of gas. So everything in the freezer section was in the cooler section yeah. was used. So I had to throw a bunch of stuff out. But I go to our stand, and you know, we had a lot of equipment there, tables, registers, uh, coolers, slicer machine, all that. Everything is totally spick and span clean. <laughs> and it looked, it looked it. Nobody touched it. Yeah. The, the stand to the left they, of me, the stand to the right of me, they destroyed the two stands. Right. Our stand, it looked like they wiped it down a Windex. So it was a pretty neat experience. I would, would I do it again? Absolutely, I would do it again. I, would, I learned I from know. my mistakes and do it even better. And I, I don't know if you know this or not, but my friends and I, we were able to make money because we had the passes, the vendor passes. Right, right. So we were able to go get ice. Right. And we would go get bags of ice, and we were selling it to people. No shit. And that, and yeah, we were making a ton of money selling bags of ice Probably. to people. Probably, that's Everyone wanted ice. Yeah. We had the passes. We were the only ones that could go get them. That's smart. That's that's. See, you have the entrepreneurial spirit as well. That wasn't my idea. Unfortunately, then I figured. I, 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 I was. I, I was. The, I was the muscle. You were the, the guy labor. with the pass, right? You're I the was the label. That's great. Um. So Woodstock, great experience. I always tell people like you built your house. On the profits from Woodstock, yeah, the foundation, it yeah, the foundation, that, right? absolutely, the whole yeah. foundation was all Woodstock money. Yep, that's crazy. Yep, and then so from there, I believe it was 2006. Now you're a father. Yes, Cutler's Cutler's born. Yep, and uh, tell everyone why did you name him Cutler? We were trying to figure out a name after we found out my wife was pregnant, and so. Uh, we didn't pick anything. We talked about it a little bit here and there. So I ended up going out in the middle of her pregnancy. We went out to Syracuse. I think it was to Henniger High School. And there was a professional, uh, a pro-am bodybuilding show. bodybuilding, shop. right. And so uh, Jeremy Freeman was the pro guy hosting and all that. And so they brought in a guest speaker and guest poser. And that was Jay Cutler. Right. Who was... Uh, 
striving to win the Mr. Olympia for the first time. Because you also had a relationship with Lou Ferrigno, didn't you? Yeah, I went on a cruise with Lou Ferrigno. I went on a week-long cruise with Lou Ferrigno and his whole family. Yeah. And that was actually really pretty cool. Yeah. So, yeah, he's, he's, that was, I got tons of stories from that. He's a great guy. But uh, Jay Cutler uh, ended up being a really nice guy. I, I sat and talked to him by myself for like 30 minutes. He autographed a, a picture of him for my wife, you know, just because she wasn't feeling good to come see anything. Yeah. And then uh, probably about a month or two before he was born, we're September, just in the pool. October. Oh, yeah, we're, right. well, we're just in the pool in like yeah. the July, I think it was, or August. And uh, we're talking, throwing out names again, you know. And uh, then finally I just said, what about Cutler? Yeah. And it stuck. We yeah. said it over and over. And we said, okay, so my son's Cutler Cristiano is the last name. And, uh, and then, but the, the funny thing is this, the, the day he was born... Which is September thirtieth, two thousand six. He was born at eight o'clock in the morning, and then Jay Cutler won his first Mister Olympia at that like nine, nine, ten o'clock at night out in Vegas. Yep, that's crazy. That's such a crazy story. So Cutler's born. You're still coaching football. You're still running your business. How does becoming a father change you? And, and what did you? What would you say you learned from your father that has helped you become a father? Nothing. Nothing, nothing. Nothing. I never saw my father. He always he worked. He always worked. He was, he always he was worked. a workaholic. Here's, that, what, was here's, that here's what I learned about my father. He was an immigrant. Hard work and yeah. and and being being uh, being helpful, being yeah. friendly, being being you know. So, so like, my father is is one of the tougher guys you'll meet when you first meet always. him. But he's one of the most generous guys in the back end. Just give you a shirt off his so, back. So so that's sort of what I took into it and all that. But I changed it different. I wanted to be more involved with my son. I want I want my son. Uh, to, to play sports. I went to every sporting event that he's ever done. I brought him to everywhere. He's, he, you tried to keep him he very tried, active. He tried everything. Well, I figured, you know what? The best way to find out what you may be good at is to try everything. Yeah. We did it. We tried baseball. Soccer, we tried baseball. wrestling. We tried soccer. We tried, uh, I had him you in Brazilian. Boxing too. We had boxing. I had him in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. It was just, it was a free-for-all of things that he just did not want to do. Even even basketball. Uh, he tried out for the fourth grade team here in New Hartford and he got caught. Right. And then but after that, he said, "Dad, I'd like to you know be with my friends and still play." And then at the time, I was up at Hamilton coaching, and I just said, "You know what? Let's uh, I'll step back." So I stepped back, and I started coaching him up in basketball. Right. Uh, so I I coached the fifth and sixth grade school teams. I did the AAU teams, teams and all. Yeah. yeah this, the, but the regular school teams, I would just play locally here in a school league. Correct. And then and then travel teams, and so we you know we just kept at it and all that. And and I don't, I don't think that's his true love. You know, and he got by any means right now. Individual lessons too. We got from Didi. Yeah, yeah, you get a lot, of, a lot of indie stuff with different, different coaches, and, and uh, you know, now I mean, as a as a ninth and tenth grader, he's been on back to back state final four teams at Crawford. You know, because we got we had in the state final fours. He played a lot last year. Played, played a lot last year, which yeah, is great. He got a lot of minutes. Uh, and now he's a junior this year. Uh, so you know, he's he's got a chance to get a leadership role if he if he welcomes it. I think he will. And he's got a chance to be a pretty good player. I mean, he's he's a six seven two hundred twenty pound kid. Yeah, there's not many six seven and he's athletic. kids around there. He's, he's athletic. He's, he's athletic. not bad at all. What he's what what I think what's his strengths are, are uh, a little bit of defense and rebounding. You know, I mean, he, he can, can block shots. He he yep. and, and it's just his his left hand. He's a, he's got a great left hand, which most he's not left handed, but somehow in the basketball court, he's strong. With he that, can, he yeah. can make his shots with the left hand. So that's a big thing in basketball. And he's a tough matchup for teams that don't have a big guy or a physical guy down tough because he's not a you know 
He's not going to take the ball on the wing and dribble through his legs behind the back and then go take it and dunk the but ball. But he, he's a good ball handler. Though. No, not bad. It's not it, bad. but that's just not his. That's right. not his game. You know, it's, it's not, not going to be his game at New Hartford. We are because right. it doesn't translate to what, what the coach wants to do, which that's fine. It's not a big Everyone deal. As long as he gets it. Just want him to get in. I want him to enjoy high school basketball, and then whatever happens, happens. But the other thing about him is he's a really smart kid. But yeah, academic wise, academic wise, academic wise, he loves school. He's he loves school, school, which is good. A's, that's, that's, straight a, A's. that's a great, yeah. It's a great, it's a great thing. It's a good thing that we we don't have to push him much. We're on top of him a lot. We help him a lot. Yeah, I've done a lot of AP Euro this year, which I'm not happy about doing it, but I relived <laughs> yeah. my history minor, so I kind of understood where we were going with it. But um, yeah, I just want him to, you know. And the grades thing is what you really want to concentrate on. The athletic thing, you know, uh, we're in it. Listen, we're in an uh, um, upper class. Neighborhood, we're in a, a very well-run school district, yep. you know, as far as education. Hartford, correct. Uh, and so, you know, we can look at it that way. But if you're a, if you live in the inner city and you go to a, a, a difficult, you know, a very poorly run uh, inner city school, and now you have to look at athletics as as that's why they look at it as a means of, as a way out, you know. And I totally yeah. understand that view. I totally understand that drive. Where, you know, that's not what we we not what he has. For me, I'd love to see the kid. You know, excel, and if you put in an hour a day every day, he'd be fantastic. It'd be, it would be lights out. But you know what? I like to see him excel, whatever he does, and it's a different path that he's going to take, and that's okay. You know, it's a, maybe athletics isn't the end it's all, all for him. Being happy. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's not. That. I wouldn't say that. Happiness. You again? Let's go back to the starvation thing. If you're starving, right. you can't be happy. You, you know what I mean? So you got to, yeah, you got to, you, you got to figure it out. Got to figure your place out in life, and you got to fit in the right way, and you got to sort of have some sort of inner drive to get to where you want to but get that's, to. But that's the biggest thing like what, what, what I see from kids today. I don't see that inner drive. You don't see that hunger. You don't see that intensity in right. sports. Right. The numbers are, are down yeah. in all, all sports teams. Sure they are. Kids aren't as interested in sports anymore. They, they, they want to play games. Because it's too, it's, it's too much work. Yeah. It's too much work. Oh, it's too, too, it's right. too much work. And yeah. You, you're probably, you know, you live nearby here too. You sure. see, you're looking at kids from this area. Yep. Kids from this area are totally different than kids from in the Bronx oh, or in Brooklyn, time. or you right. know what I mean. So you're talking about a totally different. It's it's a 180. It's people don't understand that. Bottom line. Um, but I this get, whole, this I, whole thing, uh, I, this whole I get thing, frustrated. Like, 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 I always go back to like racism. Racism to me, yeah, it's it's taught probably through through you know older teaching their kids, older people teaching their sons and daughters coming up through. But even that, I think that children still have a strong mind and they grow up and develop a mind too by a lot of different viewpoints. I don't mind. I think racism is just it's uh, fear. Yeah, because you don't know that person. Yeah, you don't socialize. We don't. We don't. We don't know what they drink. We don't know where they where they hang out. We don't party with them. We don't listen to the no same experience. music. We don't eat the same foods. We don't right. do any of that stuff. You know. Right. So until uh, uh, income equality, you know, income equity becomes more level playing fields. Until my neighbors are African American. Until they're sure. Hispanic. Until they're Asian. Which we do have some Asians ones here. We have Indian ones, but we don't have many you know, many African Americans in my neighborhood yeah. because of the affluency factor. You know, and then, so right. until they get there, you know, and how do we get there? Uh, then, then we're always going to have. But once once that happens, the playing field levels out, and right. there is no racism after that. Right. There isn't. Right. But I. But this thing, I don't see the drive in kids anymore to play sports. Like I, I don't see. They, like you said, they don't want to put the work in. 
They they want to sit on their phones they, and they want to play video they, games. They don't have it to. It drives me nuts. They don't have to. They They've got right, backing. Right, They've right, got backing. Right. If they want to go to school, they can go to school. They can get yeah. a loan and go to school. Correct. You know what I mean? If they want to go to work, they can go to work if they want to. But they can do whatever they want now. There's no, it's not like There's mom, no mom and pa are telling these kids they got to go on the farm at 6 o'clock in the morning every day. They don't. No. They don't. The only ones left that do that are the Amish. Right. The Amish yeah. force their kids and they, you know why? Yeah, Michigan got no technology. Yeah, they're not. They don't there's have no TV. electricity. They don't yeah. know what's going on. Either. They yeah. see a car driving by, and they're like, "Oh my God, what's that thing?" Yeah, you know. So that's that's where we are. It's just a, a technology. Again, the beginning of this whole interview was there's going to be a big challenge coming up in the next, you know, next 10, 10 years or fifteen years when AI starts to really take over. Then what happens to our kids? Yeah, and we, uh, see, we're too smart for ourselves. Unfortunately, right? The the, yeah. the upper educated, higher echelon college educators are too smart for themselves yeah okay they don't realize that after a while they think they have the all the basic answers. nuts and bolts are what you need to to get these kids through then you can give them a little bit extra but to just tell them that all this stuff is going to be fine we're, we're outsmarting ourselves and right. we're going to end up you know now you think you think kids aren't playing football now or playing sports now they're going to be playing in 10 20 years no they're not. it's going to be no. less and less no no. See how all the Europeaners are coming now in the NBA and they're playing basketball in the NBA? We'll wait till Africa opens up. Right. And we get all this, you know, you know the Afri South Americans. They'll take it. South Americans open up. Right. Yeah. Right. They, they'll, they'll, they want that opportunity. Right. And they're going right. to take a chance. Right. Right. Yeah. You know, you know, people are bitching more. And, you know, the African Americans are, I can't believe there's not more guys in baseball. You know, it's all, it's all Dominicans. They, they, that's yeah. because that's the Dominicans' way out. Yeah. You know, so it's just, what are you going to do? It's, it is what it is. But it's everything's cyclical. It'll all come back. It's just when. Who knows and you know running the business running Tony's you have a huge staff and I just briefly want to touch COVID how did you get through COVID and you got through COVID and you didn't let anyone go you didn't fire people no you and you made it you through. do that we made it through we cut down a little bit on the hours we cut down on what we offer and do people were accommodating our workers were accommodating they rotated uh, business was slow and you just had to suck it up you know there's there's there are grants out there there's yeah. you know the PPP loans those helped out especially for payroll you know just to keep people afloat um, but bottom line you just what are you, what are you gonna do you can't these people people have been with me like 30 years I'm gonna let them go just right. because we're having some you know some and and and, and such a crazy thing where no one knew what was going on. No one had the right information. No people no, were, they were people making were, it up as they people, went. People were yeah. yelling and screaming at each other. You guys see the people that came into my store because I would open up a pizza box and just check to make sure it was their correct pizza. Yeah. You know, I've got a sick grandfather at home, and you're going to spread. Hey, relax. Yeah. Relax. You know, uh, it's just. But that's what it was. But loyalty has a lot to do with it in the business too. If you can't be loyal to your employees, and if they can't be loyal to you, then nothing will survive. Yeah, and I because you had three three or four people who've been with you forever yeah. from the start. You know, yeah. Johnny and Barb. Yeah, sure, and that that was always impressive. Yep. Now going forward, you know, you did Fat Cats. You're going back to Smoking Guns. Yep, so which is uh, it'll be a, uh, it'll a be country open. bar, live music three nights a week. Just it's open Thursday, Friday, Saturdays, I think, right now, and uh, we'll, we should be open in a few months. We're just. Finishing up everything inside, we're waiting for permits and uh, waiting for liquor license, and we should be okay. And then the other idea that we we talked about again, the entrepreneurial spirit. You want to do a cannoli bar? Yeah, that'll be in the future that's, somewhere that's a down great south. Idea. Yeah, it won't be here. It'll be down south somewhere. And and it'll be just cannolis and maybe some coffee, wine. Coffee, coffee, that's it. Cannoli cannolis coffee. and coffee. Cannolis and coffee. gourmet coffees and and uh, uh, gourmet cannolis. Ten different flavors. You can fill your cannoli up with any, any any one of the flavors we have. 
Um, anything going on at the pizzeria right now? Any specials? Any deals? Anything? That, this is like an infom infomercial too, huh? I'm I'm trying to help you promote your. I you you don't understand. This is the best podcast, okay? In the capital district. No kidding. Which doesn't help you. No, us they're going to have an hour and 20 rides. Nothing. We nothing. are the number one podcast in the capital district. No That's kidding. Saratoga, Albany, Schenectady, oh, all around holy there. Holy Christ. I'm so, going to have to open up uh, the place they, there. They may drive here. Nah, not for, not, I don't think so. But, yeah, but that's so, okay. That's so, good. I'm just curious. Any, are there any promotions going wealth. on? Anything? Yeah, every day. We listen, we do, we yeah. do $1.50 slices on Dollar, Monday and Tuesday. We put seven or eight different varieties in the window. You can buy any slices you see in the window for a buck fifty. That's amazing. That's it. That's it. I've got. I got. At lunchtime in our bar, we had dollar drafts. You can get a domestic draft for, for buck. a buck. Buck ninety two cents, and then I throw the tax in too. And then you're also trying to use the comedy club space, right? Yeah, we, we do. For, we we host for events, other events, events, parties, uh, uh, kids' birthday parties, uh, wake. You know, if you you get look for places after funerals too. It it, yeah. it, it it's been it's actually been very profitable for, for been events. Good. For events, yeah. yeah, people are always looking for a spot. It holds 110 people in there, so they're always looking for a spot that size that that can accommodate uh, food, drink, and privacy. Yes, and you and you and it holds 100 people, right? You 108. Can, you can get up yep. to 100. Yep. Um, and the website is is it Tony's at Washington Mills? It's a uh, it's Tony's Pizzeria Online. Oh, no, excuse me. Uh, yes, Tony's Pizzeria Online .com. Tony's Pizzeria Online .com. Yep. Okay. Yeah. And do you do you see yourself ever getting back into coaching? Like when Cutler goes like off to. to school, you would I'd like, like to. to I get just back don't know where. You, but you, I want to go south. I want to go where it's warm. I don't yeah. want to be here. You, I want to go where it's warm. I want to. I'll just hold a mic cord for some coach somewhere at a Division One school and just run out the tunnel with everybody else at the end. That's all. I don't. I, don't, I got no. But you do. But you miss coaching. Well, sure. You say, right. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Because the the one thing I've always again admired about you is you're you're a coach. Like if if someone told you that you had to coach girls volleyball you figure it out and you yeah, can break girls volleyball deal. it's coach. no big deal because you're a coach it's no big deal that's what you yeah, can do a lot of guys can do that a lot of guys do that yep you gotta be able to adapt and and the pizzeria and the comedy club coming back in the fall a lot yeah. going on yeah. you're always busy you're always working um how, how, have things been okay in the summer or slowed down a little you know, bit? No, summer's been busier. Summer's been busier okay. in the fall and the winter. Yeah, people are out all week, you know, and, and uh, in the weekends. Everything's been good. I can't yeah. complain. Yeah, so what a what a journey. What a journey. <laughs> New Mexico, you know, Arizona State, Cortland, coming back to New Hartford, Don Eden, coaching, running a business, <laughs> trying other businesses. And that's that's the other thing. I mean, you're 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 always going to try something. You're never afraid to try something new. If you fail, you fail. You got nothing to lose. You got nothing to lose. You're trying to get. You're trying to feed your family. That's it. And you you know your son, you raised a great kid. He's always polite. He's respectful. Yep. He he'll talk to you. You know, would drive me nuts. I'll go to my friend's house. They'll have the teenagers over, and there's four of them, and they're sitting there, and they're just all on their phones. All on their phones. Nobody yeah. talks. Nobody. Nobody, Nobody talks. Does. Nope. Nope. They don't communicate. They don't and talk. That's anymore. the last thing they want to do. And, and, and Cutler's doing such a great job. And yeah. I, I think he's going to be a Division One player. And no. no I that, that I don't think so. Well, I don't even he, know if he wants to play. The, if no. he gets the 6'9", six, 6'10", six, man, yeah, they don't grow on trees. We'll see. I don't I don't think uh, he doesn't. That's not his he, gig. He's in Germany right now. He's in, uh, no, he actually left. Uh, he, he's in Rome, Italy right now. In Rome, Italy. Yeah, and he'll be back in two days. Okay. So, yeah, so it's all good. He'll, all be, right. he'll be at the Vatican tomorrow, so hopefully the Pope will bless him. And, uh, and we'll be back in business. All right. Well, we're going to wrap things up. 
Frank Cristiano, owner of Tony's, on the podcast. Long time coming. I, uh, you know, how how has your experience been on the podcast? You like the podcast? Yeah, it's yeah. as simple. It's as easy. It's easy. These things right? you just kick back, relax, have a drink, and then talk. Right. Um, and I have a saying just before you go, and it's legendary. So uh, again, thank you for being with us. And uh, remember, when life gives you lemons, don't make lemonade. Take two oranges and throw them back at life. <laughs>